And now, a dramatic reading. Sorry, I ain't sorry. Sorry, I ain't sorry. I ain't sorry. He trying to roll me up. I ain't picking up. Headed to the club. I ain't thinking about you. Me and my ladies sip dissy cups. I don't give a fuck chucking my deuces up. Suck on my balls, paws. I had enough. I ain't thinking about you. Middle fingers up. Put them hands high. Wave it in his face. Tell him boy bye. Now you want to say you're sorry. Now you want to call me crying. Now you got to see me wilding. Now I'm the one that's lying. And I don't feel bad about it. It's exactly what you get. Me and my baby, we gone be all right. I see them boppers in the corner. They sneaking out the back door. He only want me when I'm not there. He better call Becky with the good hair. He better call Becky with the good hair. dresses up like a devil and blind lawyer, you know? We have to do Aquaman. No one with a lick of sense would watch that show. The word fan actually is a, an abbreviated form of fanatic. And there are some people who fit that category. I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. You can put on a uniform for football year-round, nobody cares. Basketball year-round, nobody cares. Put on a Star Trek uniform, people get a case of the giggles. Yeah, hi, somebody told me they make comic books here. That's from Superman? Smallville. You have been trying that Jedi mind shit on me since the eighth grade. It doesn't work. Oh, it works. You guys must read too many comic books or something. People do not masturbate in the DC universe. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented, as always, by two true freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I do is I talk about comics all the freaking time. At least that's how things have worked out in actual practice, but on paper, what I'm supposed to do is talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. And guys, I gotta tell you, you know, that's something I do intend to be a little bit better about, at least in the future. I'm going to do what I can to sort of broaden the canvas a little bit and talk about some, some, basically some non-comics type stuff. Now, this is stuff that may have originated in comics at some point or another, and it may have been adapted into comics at some point or another, but I'm going to try moving things in kind of other directions. No promises. It's just something I've been thinking about. But as it goes for today... Guys, I promised you, ages and ages ago, and this is way back when I was working my way through my It's All About Image miniseries. Way back, I, I covered the Astro City Limited series. This is back in episode number 176. I talked at considerable length, <clears throat> I might add, that's what she said, that 
uh, all about the Astro City uh, limited series from Image Comics from 1995. And I made the solemn promise that at some point, I knew not when, but at some point, I was planning to come back and talk about the Astro City ongoing series that followed up the limited series. And, well, here we are, because today I'm going to be talking about Astro City number one, which, for clarity's sake, should not be confused with the first issue of the Astro City limited series. This is the first issue of the Astro City ongoing series that started up in 1996, right? So just a little bit of clarity there. And guys, I remember reading the Astro City miniseries at the time that it came out, but there are certain things that just, it's like certain ideas just need time to bake a little bit inside of your imagination. And Astro City is one of those things. You understand? Astro City is one of those... I don't even know what else to call it except a concept that when I was a teenager, I just... I don't think I completely appreciated what Kurt Busiek was trying to do. Maybe it's one of those things that it could only really come with age and you need to understand what it is that comics at their best are supposed to be and then recognize the fact that Kurt Busiek's Astro City is it's basically Busiek's and I'm kind of reading between the lines here a little bit but at least the way it goes in my mind is this is Kurt Busiek aspiring to what he believes makes comics great you understand and so the fact that Astro City is an anthology title, well, it kind of has to be, because there's no way to talk about what makes superhero comics great, but to do an anthology book. You know, so I kind of appreciate the fact that there's not a single character that we're always following around and whose story we're becoming more and more invested in. Instead, what we're doing is basically following Kurt Busiek's sort of creative muse and wherever it is that takes him. And the characters that inhabit this very strange world, you know? <clears throat> and I just really dig it. I love this title. Because to me, I think I've said this before, but to me, Astro City is pretty much everything that I want from comics right now. You know? It's it's basically got the perfect balance. You know, nothing sti sticks around so long that it starts wearing out its welcome. Just about the time that you're kind of done with a certain character's story or you've seen too much of so-and-so or there's too much of such-and-such, such, the focus shifts and then it moves on into other things and then you get to focus on that stuff for a little while. Then you get something new. And I don't know, I just, I dig that about, about Astro City. I mean, to me, that's what makes this comic great. So anyway... Uh, I guess really, without further ado, I probably need to start talking about the comic. So this is Astro City, number one. Publisher is Image Comics. Imprint is Wildstorm. Cover date is September 1996. On sale date is September the 25th, 1996. Cover price is $2.50. And basically, it's, I guess for for shorthand... This is basically done by the standard creative team. You know, Kurt Busiek, Brent Anderson, uh, Bleiberg, Alex Ross does the covers, Comicraft does the lettering, so on and so forth, right? So, anyway. Title is Welcome to Astro City, and story synopsis goes a little something-something like this. Ben Pullum, a longtime resident of Boston, has struggled through a divorce from his wife. Hoping for a fresh start and also to escape all of this emotional baggage that has been accumulating, he's moved himself and his two daughters, Faith and Maggie, to Astro City. This seemed like an odd choice to a lot of his friends who warned him about how strange and dangerous Astro City can be. You know, considering all the superheroes and violence and stuff. Back in Boston, Ben recalled seeing the silversmith in action once or twice, and also he saw the Brahmin, but those occasions are pretty much the extent of his brushes with the superhero world, and so he doesn't really 
understand the risk. And thus, because of that, Ben moves his family to Astro City anyway. And sure enough, on the very day that they move into their upscale neighborhood apartment, a brawl breaks out between Samaritan and the Iron Legion, and it lands right outside the family's front door. That incident, along with some other stuff that, that's going on, not least of which being an attack on Astro City by Thunderhead, a demigod, all make Ben start thinking that maybe, just maybe, Astro City is kinda, sorta, way too fucking dangerous for he and his family to live. But, through the night of the attack, and then also the morning thereafter, Ben sees firsthand the selfless heroism of Astro City's superheroes, and the altruism that their heroism has inspired among Astro citizens. Ben realizes that Astro City is exactly the sort of place that he wants to raise his daughters. The end. So, what did I think? Well, starting with the cover, and I could be wrong on this because I didn't actually double-check this before I started recording, but to the best of my knowledge, this cover that we see, it it's basically a chase cover that was painted by Alex Ross, and it's basically supposed to be one of those covers that you put alongside a bunch of other covers, and then they make one giant image. And you call that technique, a, that's called a chase cover, right? And so the the end result of that is we see the, uh, a shitload of uh, superheroes, and then we also see Samaritan's boots and part of his cape. And as memory serves, Astro City number two shows us Basically, uh, the Samaritan from, I guess, the knees up, and then a bunch of more superheroes and all of, the, all of this other stuff. And this all basically supposed to fit together to form one giant image. Chase covers, boys and girls. Anyway, so... I, I'm of the opinion that Alex Ross, there are instances when he can do a great cover. I'm... I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I can really take or leave Alex Ross as a comic book artist, you know, when it comes to things like interior work and that sort of stuff. I can, I honestly can take or leave that stuff. You know, I don't think Alex Ross has a very solid mastery of the fundamentals of storytelling in comics. Okay. I'm just not impressed. But he can occasionally turn in a badass poster or a badass comic cover or what have you. And I think that's pretty much the case here. You know, this is a very well done, very iconic uh, Alex Ross piece that we see here. And basically, it plays to all of Alex Ross's strengths as an artist. You know, this is the kind of thing that he does really well. And so because of that... I guess what I'm saying is I don't really mind Alex Ross as a cover artist for stuff like Astro City, precisely because there's something about Astro City that plays to to Alex Ross's strengths as a painter and as a as an artist. You know, I like that about him. You know, he does good covers for Astro City, but don't take that the wrong way. Generally speaking, I can I really can take or leave his work most of the time. So whatever you think that's worth. To get into the actual story, though, the interior obviously is drawn by Brent Anderson. And, you know, guys, this is an art style that by all rights, I should not hate, but I, I really shouldn't enjoy it as much as I do. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the coloring. I don't know. But there's something about Brent Anderson's work with... Astro City, it just sings, you know, it shines on the page. And we get a ton of it all throughout this issue, and I'll come to it when we come to it, but it just needs to be said up front that I really dig Brent Anderson when it comes to Astro City. When you move too far away from that, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, but there's something about Astro City that, as with Alex Ross, it just seems to bring out the best in Brent Anderson as an artist. You know, so kudos to Brent Anderson in general. To get into page one properly, though, near the bottom, we get this 
this sort of establishing shot. Well, it's not an establishing shot. Well, fuck it, whatever. I'm going to call it an establishing shot of the city street on which Ben and his family live. And they're basically coming down the steps of their apartment as Marcy Dore, who's a roving reporter of Cast TV, a uh, a, a new a, a TV network in Astro City. She basically has been doing man on the street types of interviews with uh, different people. You know, what is it exactly about Astro City that draws people in? You know, and so they've got basically a garbage man saying, I was born here. Wouldn't live anywhere else for a million bucks. And then they have some other chick saying, I went to college here at Fox Broom. And the minute I saw the city, I knew it was home. I guess it was love at first sight. And then there's some some other guy who looks sort of like a kind of stuffy, puffy type of businessman. He says, sorry, I'm in a hurry and I don't have time to talk. And those are the those are the interviews that Marcy's gathered so far. And that's about the moment that uh, she rushes over to Ben and his family, identifies herself, and she says, why do you live in Astro City, sir? And ben, Ben's reply to that is, well, actually, this is our first day here. And that's really, I guess, the reader's entree into Ben's world. And here, once again, basically, you've got Ben. He's serving sort of as a narrative device to introduce or perhaps reintroduce Astro City to readers who either may have forgotten about the miniseries or for that matter, just didn't read the miniseries. And so in a weird kind of way, Ben kind of serves as the surrogate for the reader as he kind of guides new and even veteran Astro City readers into just what exactly life is like living in Astro City. You know, what do you do? What does the world look like there? What's the air quality like? What are you likely to see on any given day? And what you're likely to see on any given day, it might very well be uh, the Samaritan duking it out with members of the Iron Legion, literally right in front of your house. I mean, no one's qualified to say what may or may not happen in Astro City at any given moment on any given day. And so... This, again, apart from just being like really good writing and showing us how weirded out by all of this Ben is, it goes to, I guess, the internal reality that Astro City operates with in as much as superheroes duking it out with supervillains in the middle of the street on a broad, uh, on a bright summer day. That's not an unusual sight, you know, or some mad scientist who's built a giant fucking purple tank who's driving it through the streets of downtown Astro City as he robs a bank. This is not an unusual sight or members of the first family swooping into action so that they can deal with some transdimensional threat. This is not an unusual sight, you know. And I just, I like that, you know? I mean, the thing about Marvel Comics, and I like Marvel Comics, don't get me wrong, but the thing about Marvel Comics that I've always kind of struggled with on some level is the fact that Marvel Comics, for the most part, is supposed to be basically the world outside your window, you know? It's more or less the real world, but with superheroes and supervillains and mutants and aliens and all this other stuff, you know, but, and I'm not trying to get too Dave Gibbons here, but the thing about that that just doesn't really work for me as much is the fact that the Marvel universe, it's like, it doesn't seem to fully comprehend the fact that superheroes are a day-to-day -day reality in the Marvel universe. And so it's like people are still regularly surprised whenever they see Captain America running around or they see, you know, Wolverine fight Juggernaut or something like that. You know, it's an unusual thing, even though it shouldn't be. It's an unusual thing for people to see in the Marvel Universe, you know, and, you know, people can talk trash about the pre-crisis DC Universe all they want. But the fact is that was an internally consistent hermetically sealed comic book universe 
in the pre-crisis days, you know? Reality, as most people lived it in the DC universe, it readily accommodated the fact that Superman is always flying around the city of Metropolis, or Batman, he's swinging around in, in Gotham City and beating the shit out of the Joker, or you've got the Green Arrow running around acting like a fucking hippie, or just, you know, whatever it is that's going on, you know? And reality and the people who live in the DC universe, it's like they had acclimated themselves to what exactly living in a world filled to overflowing with uh, monsters, with superheroes, with mad scientists, with aliens and all this other weird bullshit. They had acclimated themselves to what that life is like, you know? And that's just one of the drawbacks of the Marvel Universe. It's like people don't seem to... Even after all this time, all of those adventures with the Fantastic Four, all of the world-ending threats that the Avengers have to deal with, all the times that Magneto's wrecked shop on everything, you know, it's like people just don't seem to really get it in the Marvel Universe. And that's always been just kind of a... kind of a distraction, you know, for me. It, it, it sort of detracts from the story when you have these people who have absolutely no right to be freaked out by what they're seeing, getting freaked out by what they're seeing. You know, it's like, dude, this should not be a surprise to you. You know, and it is a surprise to Ben because, you know, he thought he knew what uh, superheroes were all about and what living next door to superheroes would likely be. And then he gets a really fucking rude awakening, you know? Yeah, it, it is kind of scary, you know, in as much as you don't know what's gonna what's going on, but it's also just part of day-to-day -day life. And so, you know, here you've got, uh, fuck, what, uh, Marcy Doerr from Cast TV. She was just wandering around in the streets trying to get man-on-the-street interviews, you know, with people. And then out of nowhere, she gets basically a, uh, a prime story, falls literally in her lap when the Samaritan and members of the Iron Legion beat the hell out of each other for a while. And her cameraman is there. He's on the scene. He got the whole thing. And now this is probably going to be Cast TV's lead story tonight. You know, that's the kind of weird shit that can happen in Astro City. You know, so yeah, the Pullum family, they're kind of unnerved by what they're seeing. And, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, the the other uh, residents on, on Ben Pullum Street, you know, they're a little bit unnerved themselves but they're not verging on panic the way that Ben Pullum is. Does that make sense? You know, they're concerned for their immediate safety, but they're not getting lost in the bedlam of it all, you know? And I just dig that, you know? The reality of Astro City, the people that live there, I guess the laws of physics, all of these things accommodate the fact that, yes, superheroes live next door to us. You know, and it's it just shows me that that Kurt Busiek has his thinking cap on here. You know, this is the way, in my opinion, that superhero comics are supposed to be done. You know, so anyway, I'm rambling here. So getting on with it and moving into uh, page four, because, yay, some of these pages have numbers on them. You have you have a Ben Pullum's internal monologue here, and he's thinking to himself, man, He's right there, and it's like the ground's still shaking, but this, it doesn't happen all the time. It can't happen all the time. And you can just see that the full implications of this thing are finally starting to sink in for Ben Pullum. I mean, what does it mean to live in Astro City? Like, do you have to pay higher car insurance? Because you never know. A giant demigod may step on your car at some point in Astro City. That's a legitimate hazard if you live there. So what does that do to your insurance rates? Or, for that matter, what are the buildings made out of in Astro City? I mean, knowing that they could get crunched at any time in the middle of a superhero blowout, are they made of sturdier materials? Because in California, a lot of buildings... They have to meet certain building requirements that other buildings in other parts of the country don't have to meet. You know, there could be an earthquake in California at any given moment, and those buildings have to be ready to withstand that. So 
perhaps do the buildings in Astro City, do they have to with, be able to withstand like similar types of stress? I mean, is that is that the kind of building codes that uh, Astro City's uh, city council have implemented? Is that how things work out there? Or, or what about, uh, I don't know, like city streets, for example, what are those roads paved with? You know, is it standard conventional uh, asphalt or do they use a special type of pavement or do they use some other substance? Because guys, the city street gets torn up all the friggin' time. So what do they do in order to either make uh, city streets stronger and able to withstand more punishment or I guess lacking that, what do they do to make city streets easier to repair? You know, that way maybe they can get a street patched up in half a day of work, you know? And all of these things are basically issues and considerations that Ben Pullum has never fucking had before. You know, he thought he knew what reality was. He thought he knew what life could be like living among superheroes based on a very small experience in Boston. But Astro City is in a class all by itself. And for the first time now, Ben is starting to consider the possibility that maybe he wasn't really ready for all of this, you know, and it's, it, it again, it's, there's just so fucking much internal consistency to all of this. It's just very well done. It's very creative. I seriously doubt that Kurt Busiek listens to my show, but dude, freaking my hat is off, sir. Cause this already, I mean, oh, I'm only on page four. And I'm I'm still gushing here. So obviously you've done a great job with this comic. So anyway, moving right along, Ben basically tries to familiarize himself and his family with the city by basically taking a bus tour and at different points a walking tour through downtown Astro City. And this actually does a couple of different things. First, it familiarizes Ben with Astro City and maybe some of the famous landmarks and all of that sort of stuff. The other thing it does, though, is even if you're a veteran Astro City reader, even if you've read the miniseries and you're very familiar with it, there are things that are being hinted at here. There are uh, locations or there are buildings or there are characters. Something is being hinted at in virtually every panel that's going to get developed in future issues of Astro City. And it's it, it doesn't distract. I mean, it doesn't call too much attention to itself. You know, if you've read all of this stuff before and you're familiar with where Astro City as a title goes, then yeah, you'll probably recognize the fact, hey, this is the first time we've seen this, uh, some of this stuff. But if you don't know, it doesn't it doesn't really detract from the story. And again, it's just incredibly well done. I love this comic. So anyway, we see the, the Astro Bank Tower, the top of which is an emergency beacon so that they can contact superheroes. So again, superheroes are basically integrated into day-to-day -day life. A bank has a superhero beacon at its, uh, at, at, uh, on top of its roof, right? Do you think you're going to see a whole lot of uh, superhero beacons on top of bank towers in the Astro City Universe's version of, well, I don't know, uh, Houston, Texas, or uh, Boston, Massachusetts, or uh, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, either of the Portlands, I guess, New York City? Probably not, but you do have it here. Again, it just shows how entrenched superheroes are in this world's reality. And I, anyway, I don't want to beat that to death, and I fear I already have. But anyway, moving right along, there's, this, there's a very Silver Age-y looking statue of the Air Ace, the first known superhero, which right there. I mean, guys, there's, there's a story getting set up or a plot, a minor plot point, but a plot point nevertheless, getting set up that gets paid off in just a couple of issues, you know, Air Ace, the first superhero, right? It gets dealt with in just a couple of issues after this one, you know, or there's Looney Leo's restaurants, um, or it just, it, it just goes on and on and on. Or here's another one, the silver agent, you know, there's a statue of him in the park 
And the uh, plaque has an inscription on it saying, Alan Craig, the Silver Agent. 1932 to 1973. To our eternal shame. So, what's going on with that? Well, again, if you know it, you know it. If you don't know it, it's not a distraction. You see it, but it's not a major issue in this story, you know? And so... Basically, I guess what I'm saying is Kurt Busiek is very skilled at doing universe building while also advancing the characters and telling his story. It's just, guys, it's the mark of a master. When you you read the work and you think to yourself, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> there are not very many Kurt Busieks in the world. Be sure of that. So anyway, after that, starting on page seven and then going forward from there, we... We basically get, this is really the the opening salvo of Thunderhead's attack on Astro City. And it's, I don't know if necessarily something as, as big in scale as this happens in Astro City every day, but this type of thing isn't unusual, you know? Uh, you've got uh, Thunderhead, and he's basically shouting, You have transgressed against me, humans. You have stolen, and you will return that which you stole. And perhaps you will survive my coming retribution. Fail to restore that which is mine, and you will perish in darkness and in pain. I give you one-twelfth of one of your hours, and then my rage shall be visited on you, and mark my words, it shall be terrible to behold. And, guys, this is Tuesday in Astro City, you know? And so, sure enough, the superheroes swoop into action, they move against Thunderhead, they try taking him on, and in the meantime, as all of this is going on, uh, Ben says, okay, we can't just watch this from the window. We have to find out just what the hell's going on. So he quickly unpacks his TV, gets it rigged up, switches it over to the news, and the Exposition News Network is there saying uh, that uh, Thunderhead is here to take unspecified action against the city. Paranormalists at Fox Broom University have identified the giant figure as an entity known as Thunderhead the being responsible for the destruction of Drakeown, Alaska last year. <clears throat> Known to, to be opposing him are the first family, members of Honor Guard, and the Astro City Irregulars, you know, just fucking blah, 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 blah. And <clears throat> goes on from there. And basically what we see is all of these different superheroes, you know, members of the Honor Guard, members of the first family, members of the Astro City Irregulars, trying and failing to uh, take on Thunderhead while... While all of that is going on, uh, criminals in Astro City are basically saying, hey, all of the superheroes are busy with that stuff, so I'm going to swoop into action and uh, maybe help myself to some looting. And so non-superpowered Astro City superheroes are basically, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, they're basically uh, handling crowd control and keeping the peace out on the streets, you know? And so that's what we see, you know, Cracker Jack, the clown-based superhero, and I just fucking love Cracker Jack. Just the idea of Cracker Jack, I love. A clown-based superhero. So he has clown accessories. You know, streamers and exploding cigars and clown noses and all this other stuff, stilts. It's just fucking great. I love it. You know, and uh, meanwhile, uh, elsewhere in town, uh, in Shadow Hill specifically, you've got uh, the Hanged Man, he's hovering around, and it's just, I don't know, I just, I love this. But it, all of it just kind of speaks to, you know, the the bedlam, you know, the, almost like the day-to-day -day sort of, not chaos, but just sort of pandemonium that the residents of Astro City live in. And what ends up happening is we see, because this is obviously not the first time something like this has happened, it takes Ben a little while to figure it out, but eventually he makes his way to the roof of his apartment building so that uh, he, along with other people, 
can basically just uh, watch the attack unfold. And they're all standing there on the apartment. Some people have even brought lawn chairs. And it's not a party exactly. I mean, Ben is careful to, I guess, recognize the fact that, you know, it's not like people are playing music or chatting with one another or anything like that. But they're all up there, almost as like this is sort of a communal event for them. I mean, this is like, in a weird kind of way, almost like a type of uh, communal bonding. This is how the residents of Astro City uh, connect with one another. And really, the breaking point for Ben comes when uh, one of his uh, daughters says, Hi, Mrs. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Damiani, I guess is how you pronounce it. She says, hi, Mrs. Damiani, where's Bobby? And uh, Bobby's mom answers, hiya, kiddo, he's downstairs. He's got a paper to write for school. And that pretty much is the straw that breaks the camel's back, at least as far as Ben's concerned, because he pretty much freaks out right there and says, he's writing a paper with all this going on? Isn't he? Aren't you worried? And she replies, well, Sure, but what are we supposed to do? It's out of our hands, you know? And hey, if the world doesn't end, he's still got school, right? And it's like Ben is just trying to struggle. He's he's struggling to comprehend the stupidity of what he's seeing unfold before him. You know, that, okay, uh, uh, woman... People are going to die here. Like, do you, do you understand that? All right. This Thunder God guy is going to smash everybody flat, squash, like grape. All right. There's not going to be anything left. There's not going to be any deadlines. There's not going to be any homework. There's not going to be fucking school. All right. Why are we here? This is crazy. And he just, he doesn't get it, you know? And the, the, the Astro citizens, you know, the people who actually live there, they get it in a way that Ben just doesn't, you know? And Ben's internal monologue is just, it's really telling about where his head's at right now. He says, or th he thinks to himself, all this violence, this danger. And Megan, Megan Faithy, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. What are you teaching him, Ben? That it's okay to just run away, to put, people you're supposed to protect in danger because you're not man enough to take it and smile? What do they learn here, Ben? How to duck and cover? You can't stay here, Ben. You can get your old job back if you crawl a little. You can find a place, maybe in Charlestown. And Lorraine? Lorraine, forget it, Ben. Just do what the girls need. And... It's at that moment, it's almost like fate takes a hand. One of one of uh, Thunderhead's uh, bolts of lightning smashes into an apartment building, and this old man in his easy chair starts to fall out. But Winged Victory swoops in, catches the guy, pushes him back into his apartment, returns to action. And then one of the daughters uh, says to Ben, she says, she's one of the good guys, right? And then Ben says, yes, honey. Yes, she is. And it's right around then that the penny... It hasn't quite dropped for Ben yet, but we're getting there. You know, and... Samaritan swoops back onto the scene. He hands uh, Thunderhead's bride, Helia, hands, uh, hands her back over to Thunderhead... They kind of have it out with each other for a while. It's basically a domestic squabble that's going on here. And eventually they both take their leave of Astro City. They vanish in a flash of light. And then that's the end of it. Bang. It's over. And Ben's internal monologue says, The rain comes down, gently and warm. And we all look at each other and don't know what to say. We go back inside. We go to bed. It doesn't seem right somehow, just to go to sleep like nothing's happened. But there isn't anything else to do. And before I actually go on with all of this, I just want to say I love, like Anderson, on, and this is on, God, what page is this? Uh, page 22. 
this uh, uh, second panel right there in the center of the page. He basically has this really neat, it look, I don't even know what this is. Guys, I'm not an artist, but I mean, I picked up a little bit of their lingo and I think you call this like three point perspective on uh, this city street where it it's not quite, but it almost looks like it's a one, one of those 180 degrees 180 degree anamorphic lenses that you see on movie cameras where uh, you can get almost 180 degree field of vision inside the frame. There's going to be distortion to the image whenever you do it. It's Certain things are going to look curved even though they're not actually curved. But that's basically, you know, the way that it looks. And it, and it seems to me like Brent Anderson is using a kind of similar technique here. And I just fucking love it when artists do that. You know, I'm not one of those people who thinks that comics need to be cinematic, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't look photographic, right? So anyway, or at least they can't look photographic. So after that, uh, getting into uh, getting into page 23, we basically see the cleanup begin from, uh, or rather on the part of Astro Citizens. And it's not just cleanup crews doing it. It's the people, the residents of the town. They're the ones doing it, right? So certain people are out there uh, cleaning shit up, right? Later on, uh, there's going to be a potluck for all the people, you know, for all the different volunteers and everything. So people are, are cooking food for the potluck and other people are doing other things, so on and so forth. You know, everybody's pitching in, <clears throat> pitching in to get things back to normal, you know, and this is the moment when the worm kind of turns a little bit uh, for Ben and his internal monologue. Again, it kind of says a lot. Uh, he thinks to himself, I feel like I traveled back in time. The way everyone's helping each other, like they're all in this together. It's like what dad used to talk about, about the war. And at that moment, uh, Ben runs into the runs into Marcy Dore from Cast TV again. She's basically doing different man on the street interviews now, but still man on the street interviews. And she says, Mr. Pullum, was it? We never did finish talking yesterday. You had quite a night. So what do you think of Astro City now? And Ben just takes a second. He looks around. He sees, uh, he sees people boarding up windows. He sees other people uh, cleaning glass out of the streets. He sees his children enfranchising themselves in, their, in a brand new community that's welcomed them. And he says, you know, I think we'll stay. And that's the end of the issue. And uh, I just fucking love this. This is a great story. You know, I love Astro City in general, but even by Astro City standards, I mean, this story is freaking great. I just, I love it. It's amazing. So anyway, as I've said before, I know for a fact that I am going to revisit Astro City at some point or another. I know not when. You know, uh, because I look at my schedule and I've got a couple of openings coming up soon, so I may be able to work something out there. But, you know, it's just the bottom line is I don't know when I'll be able to do it. I just know that I will do it at some point or another. And I don't know. It's just I love this. I love this series and I, I want to revisit it. You know, so it's like, I don't know if you, in fact, you know what, you guys, I want to know what you think about Astro City. Go ahead and uh, uh, send me an email, right? Just do it right now. Just dash off a quick thought. TrentusMagnus at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S at gmail.com. TrentusMagnus at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me an email and just let me know. Um, I can't be the only one who loves Astro City. So, you know, let me know what you guys think. You know, how soon do you want me to uh, cover this again? You know, because I may have a way of doing it fairly soon. I can't promise anything. I just want to know what you guys are thinking. So let me know. So anyway, I think that's pretty much it for Astro City number one, though. And as it happens, it's also uh, that's also it for really this episode. So as to next week, I haven't really made up. Actually, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. I, I, 
I was thinking about playing it coy, but no, I'm just going to... I'll just tell you. I'm going to talk about uh, some X-Men comics. This is new X-Men, and the storyline is E for Extinction, but that's going to be next week. So I think that's pretty much it for me this week, though. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week. giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, We'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, That's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. 
Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonzacore of Milan, Italy. Mm-hmm.